Welcome to Study Isaiah, the podcast in which we examine the language, context, and meaning of the book of Isaiah with Paul Wegner. I'm Tyler Sanders, and across from me is Dr. Wegner, who's going to tell us the Hebrew word of the day. Yes, now I have a really good one for you, because we you won't know it until we get to like the last servant song, but this is probably the biggest issue in the book. Um, it's nazah, to sprinkle. Nazah. okay. Yeah, to sprinkle or splatter. 24 times, all but three are in the Pentateuch. And 13 are in Leviticus huh. for cleansing and stuff like that. So, where's but your not joke? baptism. No, no, no not, not baptism. baptism. <laughs> Gateway Seminary does not endorse sprinkling as a, as a <laughs> there form <we> go. baptism. <laughs> All right. it's, but it's used for like like a ritual kind yes, of yes, cleanse or something. Stuff. Yep, and that'll make perfect sense when we get here's here's the passage it has at fifty two fifteen. Thus he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths on account of him for what they had not been told they will see and what they had not heard they under they will understand so uh, the the septuagint says thus he will startle or uh, mm -hmm. you know something like amaze because then it says kings will shut their mouths so it sounds like they're startled yeah but they have to go to a arabic word to even suggest that and and most modern scholars know that's not a good place to go for a, mm. a word like this and it, it seems like to me, you just take it as its normal understanding, and it's saying that he's going to cleanse many nations. That mm. will surprise these kings because they had no idea that there was going to be someone come to to cleanse them. Interesting. Yeah. So when we get to it, you'll see uh, what I'm talking about. Yeah. But but this is an amazing word, and it seems like to me it's so clear that it has to be to sprinkle or splatter, and it, it means in the sense of cleansing it. Yeah. Will you tell us in Hebrew one more time? Is it Nazah? Nazah. Mm -hmm. Nazah. Okay. Okay. That's good. Well, let's get into the text. All we'll, right. Uh, we'll get to that word pretty soon, I think. Okay. Now, here's my second section. Okay. And we're mm -hmm. in this very first part, and it's going to start with the second servant song. Okay. So, who is the first servant in the first servant song? You said it was Cyrus last uh, week. Okay. And yeah. remember in 42, mm -hmm. that one's there. And the reason I argued that is because the whole context seems to suggest that God's going to use this servant to bring his people back home. Mm. Well, the servant he used was Cyrus. And so it seems like to me, to be real clear, I think one of the most common views now is it's either Messiah, because yeah. you look in the New Testament and it seems to suggest him doing the same kind of thing. Mm. But remember, I've talked about that as filling it up with more meaning. Yes. The Otherwise, they argue that it's Israel, because all the way through Israel, other places, it talks about Israel being the servant. Mm. And, and I don't have a problem with Israel was a servant, yeah. but I don't think it's the servant talked about in the first, in the servant first song, song. The first servant song. What I am going to tell you, though, I do think it starts off as a servant in the second servant song. Okay. So when we look at it, I think it'll make sense that Israel could be God's servant, but then at a certain point, well, before we get into it, let's read it. Okay. okay? Yeah. So, so we're in chapter 49. Mm -hmm. I want to start with verse 1. Listen to me, O highlands, and pay attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother, he named me. So here's the me is obviously going to be the servant that God's using. Yeah. Okay. He has made my mouth like a sharp arrow. In the shadow of his hand, he has concealed me. He has also made me a select arrow and hidden me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant Israel in whom I will show my glory. I have tried every way possible to get that you are my servant Israel out of there. How did to translate in a way that would make it not be Israel? Yeah. Right? So here's what I used to think. Here's God. He's got this quiver. He's got this arrow that he takes out and uses to deliver the nation, right? Yeah. So I always thought, okay, that, that quiver is Israel. He takes the Messiah out, hmm. right? And he's going to use that to deliver his nation. The problem with that is, see, is the next verse. Yeah. Look what it says in verse four. But I said, I have toiled in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing in vanity. I can't imagine Jesus ever thinking that way. Mm. Even in the Garden of Eden, or Garden of Eden. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. Gethsemane. Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah. Jesus. It's okay, you're an Old Testament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's, he's praying to God to take this, if, if it's possible to take this yeah. away from me. But he never said, I don't think he ever thought that he was toiling in vain. It was in vain. Right, yeah. Right. So, but I can believe that Israel 
felt that the job they were given to do. Remember, mm. in the Old Testament, several places, he talks about them being a light to the nation. Or in, in the one that I think is real clear in Exodus 19.6, he actually says he's going to make them a kingdom of priests and a holy mm. nation. Well, a priest is the one that's like a, a go-between between him and God, them and God, right? Yeah, so, so they would be... The in-between yeah. person. Yeah. So yeah. that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So I'm actually thinking that this is starting off being Israel. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's he's covered in me the shadow of his hand. He's he's made my mouth like a sharp air, uh, sword. Um, yeah. He's made him a select arrow, hidden him in my quiver. Yeah. If he's hidden him in his quiver, now that quiver has to be the world and Israel is a servant taken out. Yeah. But that would fit everything up to this point that they would have known about Israel. It was Israel's job to bring the message of this holy God mm. to the rest of the nations. Mm. And, and that's why verse three makes it real clear. You are my servant Israel. Yeah. And I tried every way to get that to not be say that, but that's I don't- pretty much what it says. I think it says that. Yeah. And, and in whom I will show my glory. So he's gonna use Israel to show his glory to the rest of the world. In a word, I mean, obviously he brings them out of the uh, Exodus. They see this great God and all that. He takes them into the promised land. Mm -hmm. He's a witness to all the Canaanites and everything. So I think it's it, at times it worked, okay? But there's also a time when they realized they were so wicked, they were being punished all the time. Yeah. So when nations looked at them, I think most nations would say, man, I just certainly don't want that God Yahweh as my yeah. God. Look, he's always punishing them. That's kind of what we've seen. Yeah. In the first part of it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So so they're feeling like they can't do the job. Mm. So when it says, but I have toiled in vain, I've spent my strength for nothing in vanity. I think Israel would be feeling that, especially if this was written mm. post-exilic time or, yeah, yeah. or in the exile. Yeah. They're sitting in exile thinking, right. what am I going to do from here? In fact, does God even love me? Yeah. So I am actually thinking that, yes, that fits Israel very well. But then you look at the next verse. And now says the Lord who formed me from the womb to be a servant. This sounds like it's a different servant than the one was before. Because, mm. you know, he he says about the same kind of things. Yeah, yeah. The Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother, he named me. So it says about the same things. But look what it says. To, to bring Jacob back to him so that Israel might be gathered to him. Yeah. So if Israel is the first servant in this passage, it's like. Yeah. We the second an, one is to do, you know, kind of fix this problem that yeah. the first one had. So, so when it it gets to that point, I think uh, the the servant song now changes course and lets them know, Israel, you really can't do it. Yeah. But I'm going to bring somebody who can. Yeah. So I actually believe now we're going to talk about the Messiah, the one that Jesus fulfills. In this first two words in verse five and now uh -huh. would that be different than what we normally see in hebrew of just like and then this happened oh yeah it's not happened. just the the while consecutive yeah this is this is now he's got the actual word now in there mm. so it almost is like now is a new time period next thing yeah. yeah that's interesting okay. yeah so right in the heart of it you've got a shift i think that's why this has been so complicated mm. because most people don't understand i mean they've got it could be Israel, it could be uh, Isaiah, it could be Cyrus, it could be Messiah. So it seems like to me there's been so many people suggesting different things, but it seems like to me that's because in the middle of it, it switches. Yeah. And, 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 and in, in, in my mind, it makes a lot of sense if you're gonna have from that point on him say, but now I'm gonna do it. Here's, here's Israel who's toiled in vain, isn't able to do it. I'm gonna have to bring a real servant now. Yeah or my servant to do the job. Yeah. So. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So from the text itself, I think we've got a transition here. So now remember, I thought the first one was Cyrus and I, I did it from context. The context yeah. fits that really well because he seems like he's almost bragging that he brought Cyrus. Here, it, it you've several times you had Israel being the servant through there, even in that those first eight chapters were telling us that, yeah. you know, from like 40 to 48. Several times it talked about Israel being his witnesses and mm -hmm. even his servants. Yeah. Now it says, but Israel hasn't been able to do it, but I can bring somebody who will. Yeah. And so, so it, it seems like it really makes sense to me. Yeah. I, I'm one of the few people that hold that, so I'm warning <laughs> you already. Yeah. But, but from the text, it seems like that makes a lot of sense. And you'd say the second servant, in not the second servant song, in the second servant song, we're starting out talking 
it's Israel is the first servant yep. mission, and then the second would be Messiah? Is yes. that what you would say? Yep. Okay. So that's how I see it. So I do think it gets to him. And, yep. and let's see what it says about him. So it's first to bring uh, Jacob back to him so that Israel might be gathered to him. Uh -huh. So you had that phrase, for I'm honored in the sight of the Lord. My God is my strength. Is it too small thing for you that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob to restore the preserved ones of Israel? So he's actually saying, it sounds like to me, you know, not only can he do it for Israel, look at then, I will also make you a light to the nations so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth or end of the earth. So now he's saying, you know, Israel couldn't even do it so that the nations could do yeah. it. So he says, okay, so I'm gonna have you bring Israel that's too small thing. I'm going to have mm. you bring all the nations to me through yeah. this. Yes, yeah. So, so once again, seems to fit Messiah perfectly. Yeah. All right. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to the despised one, to the one abhorred by the nation, to the servant of rulers, kings will see and arise, princesses will bow down. So at some point, there's somebody who's going to be abhorred by the nation, which you're going to see that in chapter 52 and 53 later in that last servant song. So you've got the nation abhorring him. Okay. That, and that nation is singular. So I'm assuming it's Israel, mm -hmm. but he says, but to the servants of rulers, kings will see and arise. Princes will bow down. So, so somebody's going to get that this Messiah is amazing. Even if Israel yeah, yeah, rejects yeah. him, other nations are going to see that. Yeah. Okay. Because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. So that I, I think that's primarily where it stops. But some people have actually argued it goes on. Thus says the Lord in a favorable time, I have answered you. In a day of salvation, I will help you. I will keep you and give you as a covenant for the people. So actually, I, I actually think it goes on from here. Some people have said it stops. I think that the song I, stops. There. Yeah, oh. I think it still is going on because he's still talking about the you, whoever that was. And it sounds mm -hmm. like it's a servant. Yeah. Okay. In a day of salvation, I've helped you. I will keep you and, and give you for a covenant to the peoples. We we actually had that phrase in, in 42. Do you remember? And I yeah. said, a, a covenant is like an agreement with the people. Yeah. So there, I, I think once Gabe gave the promise, it was an agreement that he was going to use Cyrus to deliver him. Mm -hmm. I think at the same point now, here's he's made a covenant, meaning he's made an agreement with the nation that God is going to use Messiah to deliver them. Oh. And so now that's, that's what's going on. So I think when hmm. he says, I will give you as a covenant to the people, I think that means... It, there's an agreement I told you was going to happen, and now I'm going to bring it about. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. To restore the land, to make them inherit the desolate heritages. Saying to those who are bound, go forth. To those who are in darkness, show yourself. Now, do you remember Cyrus? That I understood those back in chapter 40 to 48 as very literal. Understanding mm -hmm. as being from taking them out of prison, out of exile. Yeah. And, and, and even if it's figurative, it still means from the exile yeah. to the promised land. Yeah. But here, now, if this is true, the Messiah is going to do it almost not in a figurative way. It's still going to be quite literal. They're still going to be delivered. But it's not necessarily from prison. Yeah, you know, when yeah. he says, go forth, for those who are in darkness, show yourselves. I think is now it's more of a spiritual blindness mm. that he's going to deliver them from. Mm. So so here's the prophet looking into the future. Yeah. And he probably sees that deliverance from the Babylon. Yeah. But he also sees a, a, a bigger picture. Spiritual deliverance. Yeah, this darkness that he's taking them out of and stuff like that. So I see him as the prophet looking in the future and probably seeing both of these deliverances in his mind. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, once again, he doesn't see how much time is between them, mm. but they both make sense to him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So starting about with nine following, it's going to sound very similar to that terminology, bringing them out of the exile, because I think he's using them as an uh, illustration mm. of this nether exile that he's going to bring them out of yeah. and deliver them. Saying to those who are bound, go forth. To those in darkness, show yourself. Along the roads they will feed. Their pastures will be on the bare heights. They will not hunger or thirst, nor will the scorching heat or sunstroke strike them down. For he who has compassion on them will lead them and guide them to springs of water. I will make uh, my mountain a road and my highways will be raised up. Behold, these will come from afar and lo, these will also come from the north and from the east and those from the land of Sinem. We, we don't know exactly where that is. Hmm. It could be Egypt. It could be below Egypt. There's uh, some scholars that argue that. 
But um, you've already got from the north and the and west. Now, if, if Siddim is more in the south, yeah. you've got at least kind three of, of the directions. directions. Yeah. yeah. So remember, and, and certainly west wouldn't have been where the Babylonians yeah. would have come. You know, the Israelites would have come from Babylon. Yeah. That would have been from the east. So, yeah. so that wouldn't fit. Shout for joy, O heavens, and rejoice, O earth. Break forth into joyful shouting, O mountains. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. So I think what's happened here, he's, he, it starts off talking about God was going to use Israel to deliver the world. They realize they can't do it. Okay. At that point, they say, I've toiled in vain and all of that. And I can't believe that that's referring to Jesus. Mm. Okay. Which is, it's real common to argue Messiah is this, uh, the yeah. song, right? Yeah. But at verse five, I do think it changes to Messiah because now using almost the same terms as you had at the beginning of what God did with Israel to bring them forth, mm -hmm. he's going to use that same kind of terms to bring this next servant out. And then the new job is to not only bring Israel and Judah back to him, but he's also going to bring Unlike the world back. Yeah. 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 Does that make sense? That does. Yeah. So it seems like to me, we've now got a new... I, th I think it's in my mind, it's like the clearest interpretation of that mm. passage could be. Mm. And and even I was just like everybody else trying to make it into Israel or making it into Messiah. I tried doing that, but I just couldn't get all the passage to work out to just refer to one of those. Yeah. So I've now made a combination, which I think the first one is talking to Israel. He can't do it. So God's going to bring a Messiah. To Can do. I ask you a side question? Real sure. Quick? Yeah. When you're working through a process like that, how do you how do you approach that? Is that because uh, that's a pretty complicated yeah. Yeah. problem and it's kind of heavy in that yeah. it's, you know, interpreting it, God's word, you know, like yeah. it, it's not like um I mean I was like an English major yeah. in college and like, you know, I went to like a secular school, but like part yeah. of the interpretive process when I was a college student was like to come up with new meanings for the text. Yeah. Uh we do like close readings, we do things where it's like yeah. You know, like I, uh, we had a class, we were studying Moby Dick and it was like, oh yeah, it was like you were encouraged to, uh, well, I remember one of the articles we read was like an ecological, Yeah. what, what is Moby Dick telling us from yeah. an ecological perspective? And it's probably not, Melo probably wasn't thinking that, but like, yeah, there's things you could probably pull out of it. And, you know, there's like these interpretive tools they would use yeah. as part of the academic process. But like, that's, um, that'd be very foreign in our yeah. field, you know, I mean, certainly with like the. We believe that it has meaning. The Bible yes. has meaning, you know, and we can't yeah. just. And our job is to figure out what it is. Yeah, right. And, and then on a passage like this, that's so complicated, which I am agreeing that it yeah. is complicated. I think what we do is we we look at the commentaries. I've looked at them all. They all yeah, yeah. have different people here. Yeah. Then you go to the text again. There's called something called the hermeneutical circle or uh, oh. you know, the spiral, really. Dr. Osborne wrote a book called The Hermeneutical Spiral. And, and I think he's right. So you, you start off with the text. You try to figure it out. You read the commentaries. You then go back to the text. Which one makes the most sense in this mm -hmm. this context? You then go back to other places, grammar, everything you can mm -hmm. figure out. You go back to the text. So that spiral is, is taking you back each time to the text to see if you can figure out more clearly what the passage is saying. Yeah. So I actually believe that's kind of the way you do it. You You look at what others say, but then you don't stop there. You keep trying to figure out, are they accurate? Yeah. Have they got the meaning here? Mm -hmm. And and I, I just kept coming back frustrated saying, yeah. this does not make sense. You know, it, it seems so clearly that at, at verse four, if this is Messiah and he's saying that I have struggled in vain and mm. for vanity, that just, that just blew me away. That just can't fit. And I, that was my interpretation before. So I tried to get in verse three, I tried everything to get it to refer to Messiah and not Israel. Yeah. But it clearly does sound like Israel. Yeah, and so so I had to start there and then figure out. Okay, that seems what be what the grammar is saying. How do I then uh, look at the commentary? And say that those don't seem to fit. So go back to the text, see what it's saying again, and then try to figure out. And and I think at some point, I know it's going to sound really bad, but I think God helped me. <laughs> you mm. know, I think the Holy Spirit at some point does help. But that 
that's going to sound really bad because then that means that all those others that right, got it right, wrong, right, you know, right, weren't right, using right. the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I don't think that's true either. Yeah. So I think you you go to the text, you try to figure it out, you go to the commentary, see if they've got good answers as to why they think it's what it is. Then you go back to the text. Does that is that what it says? And yeah. it seems like to me they were all falling short yeah. on how to explain it. And then it at one point it hit me, and I I think. That's probably the Holy Spirit. So I still see an element of the Holy Spirit's help in understanding these, Mm. but I don't think you can, I don't think you can go on just that to figure it out. You know, here's people that don't, you know, don't know Hebrew and stuff like that. And the Holy Spirit told me it means this. Well, why, you know? So, so I think you need to put all that into it and then see if there's an answer for it. And I, I think I came up with one. Yeah. Yeah. So at least at this point, I'm very satisfied with this. It seems yeah. like it fits all the possibilities of what the text is saying. It even it it, it seems like to me it combines what the best scholarship was saying. Mm. You know, so that's why I think it actually does make a lot of sense. Yeah. And and when it got to verse five, and it said to bring Jacob back to him, so it seemed like to me, okay, it can't be Israel anymore because yeah. how does Israel bring Israel back to him? Yeah. So it has to be somebody doing this. And I thought the Messiah makes the most sense. Yeah. That's, that's how good. I did it. Well, no, I think that's helpful. <laughs> it's helpful. Because, you know, I mean, like, um, yeah. I think the more time you spend in the text, you come across, problem text isn't the right word. Yeah. But you come difficult across ones. things that are, yeah, difficult yeah. or confounding in some kind of way. That's actually yeah. a chapel series right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's know? right. It probably won't be whenever yeah, people yeah. listen to this. But, <laughs> yeah. but you know, that's, I, I think like we recognize there, there are things that are really complicated or like your first time reading it yeah you're like that doesn't make sense to me but there's a process to go through to to work through the text we do have a even if you don't agree with a lot of it there's a uh, a wealth of literature out there of of people who've who you're not the first person to come across this problem yeah people have thought about it before for years and years and years and there's there's a lot you can learn yeah. from that but, and often, it, but i like what you said is you always come back to you yeah often the text you often know? i would tell my students in the old testament it's probably better to start with a commentary hmm. you know a lot of other places like in the new testament it might not be so good to start there but in the old testament a lot of people don't even have the background yeah, to yeah. figure out what the issues are yeah so you can start with a commentary make it a we call it a lay commentary one that's for people in the congregation yeah. give you the background and stuff like that, then go to more detailed commentaries and stuff like that. So you build your um, your interpretation based upon what these scholars are saying, but also what you think the text is saying. Yeah. So let me let me keep going and yeah, show sure. you. Here's, here's kind of a summary of it. So mm-hmm. Israel is the arrow to be a light to the nations, one through four, okay? But they couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. We got to that. I, I labored in vain. So God brings another one, meaning the Messiah that takes you to the rest of the verse. Yeah. So so that one in my mind makes a lot of sense now. And in the rest of this, it's God talking to Zion about him delivering them. Let's just uh, read a couple of verses. I'll start at verse 14. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me and the Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget a nursing child? And do you remember in chapter 40, that section had like two questions in it. Is God willing to, yeah. to deliver us and is God able? Yeah. It seems like to me, me it's answering those same, same question. questions. Yeah. yeah. But Zion says, the Lord has forsaken me. So he's, does is God willing to deliver me? Has the Lord forgotten me? And then he says, can a, can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget but I will not forget you. So so he's even admitting that humans might forget a child that they're nursing. It'd be really unlikely, yeah. but he says it might be possible yeah. and I'll never forget you. Yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty convincing. Yeah. Behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. So that actually sounds like to me, he's saying, you're so dear to me that I've written your yeah. your your name. Well, he, he says, I've even ascribed you on the palms of my hand. So your names yeah. are there in front of him all the time. Yeah. I actually like that. That is good. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's the first one. Look at verse 20 says, the children of whom you were bereaved will yet say in your ears, the place is too cramped for me. Make room for me that I may live here. Then you will say in your hearts, who has begotten all these for me since I have been bereaved of my children and I am barren in exile and wander. He's explaining what God's going to do for them. He's saying that 
you know, you've been in exile. So how did you get all these children? He's actually saying, God's going to bring these to you. I mean, I think when he's saying uh, these children that I have, initially he's referring to those in the exile, right? Because okay. he's he's talking about, how did I get all these new children? So that must be the the believing remnant that's after the exile. Hmm. So I think what he's, he's doing is he's picturing first her in exile and saying, well, I don't have many children all like this. Now she's got all kinds of people, yeah. uh, children. So she's even going to have to widen her tents. Right. Well, why? And it's because God's bringing the remnant and they're coming more than just from Israel. See, that's that's yeah, why there's yeah. so many of them. Yeah. Interesting. So, so, yeah. He's, so, so if you ask the question, is God willing? He's saying, well, of course I'm willing. Not yeah. only am I willing to deliver you, I'm going to bring all kinds of other people also yeah. to you. Yeah. And so much so that you're going to wonder where many. they all yeah. came from. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of how that fits. Then, then you've got, is God Abel? And that starts at verse 24. I'll start at 23. Uh, Kings will you be your gardens, guardians and their princes as your nurses. They will bow down to you with their faces to the earth and lick the dust of your feet. And you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hopefully wait for me will not be put to shame. So there's kind of building this idea of, okay, is he able to do it? He's saying he can. Then he says, can the prey be taken from a mighty man or captives from a tyrant be rescued? Surely says the Lord, even the captives of the mighty man will be taken away and the prey of the tyrant will be rescued. For I will contend with those who contend with you and I will save your sons. I will feed your oppressors with their own flesh. They will become drunk with their own blood and with sweet wine. All flesh will know that I, the Lord, am your savior and your redeemer, the mighty one of Jacob. So is the answer, can he deliver them? Well, look, can prey be taken from a lion? Right. Maybe not likely, Yeah. but it can. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to do it. Yeah. So I, so I think what he's highlighting is that, don't worry, I'm going after those who contended with you. And not only that, I'm going to have them eating their own flesh. That yeah. sounds kind of gory, but, yeah. but I think what he's saying is they're going to be torn up inside. I'm going to do that and I'm going to bring you out. Yeah. So, so the question is, can he do it? And the answer has got to be yes. Yeah. And, he, and then he finalizes it with all flesh will know that I, the Lord, am your savior and your redeemer, the mighty one of Jacob. So the answer is yes. Yeah. And now everybody will know that. Yeah. Right. So, right. So that's kind of how that chapter ends. And yeah. I, I think it's kind of amazing. It is. Yeah. It starts with that first servant or second servant song, though. And I think that's kind of key to the whole thing. Mm. You know, here's this God that's going to deliver you, but he's going to use a Messiah to do it. Yeah. And then it's really good. The rest of it. Yeah. yeah. So that's that chapter. Okay. We're going to head to the next one. Uh huh. Oh, and I, I don't know of many people that have seen this too, but almost. Every time, bef right before you have a servant song. So we're going to have another one in chapter 50, verse 4. Uh -huh. But right before it, look at 50, verse 2. Why was there no man when I came? Why was there not one to answer? I don't know if you remember. There's a passage that says something like, I looked around and I could find no one who could deliver. Mm. And then he has this servant song. So it seems like to me, his answer is, I looked in Israel, couldn't find it, somebody who could do it. So I brought this one. Yeah. And then that same kind of thing is happening here. Yeah. He, he looked around and no one in the nation could do it. So he's going to have to bring his Messiah to do it. Yeah. And then in chapter 51, verse 18, you've got another one. Mm. And it sounds like here's yeah. God Who looking can around, it? can't do it. So yeah. he's going to bring his Messiah. So it seems like these are introductions to the servant song coming later. It's interesting because that's kind of Isaiah's story a little bit. Yeah. Too, right? Yeah. When he's called, it's like, yeah. There's nobody else yeah, that would Who am do I going to send? You know, yeah. and it's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, that's I'm good. here. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Okay. Well, let's look at 50 because 50 is kind of an interesting chapter also. Yeah. Thus says the Lord, where's the certificate of divorce by which I've sent your mother away? That goes back to um, like Deuteronomy 24. One through four, where if you're, I don't know if you remember in the New Testament, and Jesus says, he's referring back to Deuteronomy, and they say, Moses said to give him a certificate of divorce. And Jesus says, yes, but from the beginning, it wasn't so. 
Mm-hmm. And he says, the only reason Moses did that was because of your hardness of hearts. Yeah. So if we go back to Deuteronomy 24, it talks about a husband finding some indecency, whatever that means, some mm-hmm. indecency in his wife. If he sends her away, he's got to give her a certificate of divorce. He's saying here, there is no, God never gave Israel a certificate mm-hmm. of divorce. So, so it wasn't his issue. It wasn't on God's side that he sent her away. But look what it says by which I have sent you away, your mother away, or to whom did uh, creditors did I sell you? That would be the other reason. You know, there might be two reasons why a woman would get divorced. One is that he could, they could get a divorce and then they get this certificate and they could go away and get married to somebody else, it seems like. Yeah. The other one is that he might have to sell them to his creditors. So the husband mm-hmm. gets in debt, so he has to sell them to his creditors. And he's saying, instead, behold, you were sold for your iniquities and for your transgressions, your mother was sent away. So he's saying it wasn't the problem with God. Yeah. It was a problem with you. Yeah. You guys got sent away because of your sins. Yeah, and, yeah. and and it wasn't because I sent you away with a certificate of divorce or I didn't get in trouble. And so that yeah. I had to, had, was in debt to somebody I had to say, sell you and give you away. Yeah. In actual fact, he said, neither of those were the case. Yeah. You did it on your own. Yeah. So he's making it really clear that it's not God's fault that they were sent away. It was their own. Yeah. And then 52 says, why is there no one? Yeah. And then he says, is my hand so short that I cannot ransom or have I no power to li- deliver? Behold, I dried up the sea with my rebuke. I made the rivers a wilderness. Their fish stunk for lack of water and died for thirst. And I clothed the heavens with darkness and made sackcloth their covering. So he's saying, the problem wasn't with me. I looked around and couldn't find someone to do it. Here I am, the creator God that can change things. And now verse four is, I think, the third servant song. So this mm-hmm. is his answer. I'm a great God, and here's going to be how I deliver you. Yeah. So I think that's how the third servant song fits into its context. Yeah, I, I believe it's referring to the Messiah. So mm-hmm. remember, the first one was Cyrus. Yep. Second one was starts off as Israel, and then, then changes to Messiah. So for the rest of them, it's going to be Messiah. Because okay. you asked me earlier, do I just keep changing who the servant song right. refers to? And and I think once it gets to Messiah in the second one, yeah, it stays, stays the rest of the time. Yeah. Okay. So you really only have, have Cyrus at first, then Israel starting off but can't do it. And so God brings Messiah and the rest of them yeah. fit Messiah. Okay. Now let's look at it. Verse four says, the Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples. I assume that means he's obedient if he's got a tongue Mm. of disciples, okay? That I may know how to sustain a weary one with a word. So that must mean he can encourage people with a mere word from him. Yeah. Now I could see at this point, that could be Isaiah. You know, Isaiah's got this message. His, mm-hmm. his message is very encouraging. So I think in this servant song, you have to go between, okay, so it's probably no longer Israel, but it's probably could be Isaiah, who's a servant that actually God's going to use, mm-hmm. or the Messiah. Yeah. I actually think it fits Messiah better. Better, yeah. Okay. He wakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. So that just seems like he's talking about him being obedient and mm-hmm. he's going to follow God. Okay. The Lord God has opened my ears and I was not disobedient. Now that open my ears could mean he created a body. If you go to Psalms, there's one passage in there. I think it's chapter 40 that talks about um, God forming the ears. Hmm. And and so I think that could be what this is getting at, or it could just mean he opened his ears so he would hear him. Hmm. Okay. So he'd be obedient. And I was not disobedient. Okay. Okay. That fits the being obedient part. Uh, Nor did I turn back. I gave my back to those who strike me and my cheek to those who plucked out my beard. Why I don't think this fits Isaiah very well is that we've got nothing in the history to suggest that he was beaten or anything like that. Now, we do have a story that talks about the martyrdom of Isaiah. Now, remember, this is a pseudepigrapha, so it's yeah. it's not biblical text. So it's yeah. it's probably a tradition and some of it may be true or built off the truth, mm. but it goes way beyond anything else. Uh, it, it claims Isaiah was hiding from Manasseh, who, you know, Manasseh is one mm-hmm. of the wickedest kings following his father, Hezekiah, who was a very good king. Yeah. And it says he's running along and Manasseh is about ready to get him and a tree swallows him up to hide him. But then Manasseh sometime how finds out he's there. So it says he cuts down the tree and it cuts through Isaiah's mouth 
Because remember, mm -hmm. Isaiah says in uh, chapter six is that how his his mouth is corrupt, and so that yeah, yeah, yeah. God takes the coal and yeah. touches it, then he can be used by God. Yeah. So they've taken that idea and said that that's the only place he could have been harmed. Mm -hmm. So the cutting him down at the tree. Now, once again, I don't yeah. think this is true, but I yeah. I can see where it comes from logic in the text. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So my cheeks from those who pluck out my beard, I will not cover my face from humiliation and spitting for the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I'm not disgraced. So all of this fits Jesus really well. You know, he was mocked and he yeah. was, had his beard plucked out and all that. So it fits him really well, though at the time that this was given, they wouldn't have known that. So I think it would have been really hard for them to figure out, okay, who's this suffering servant that, that yeah. God's bringing yeah. when they see it in Jesus's life, I would hope they would have said, oh, now I be, get it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Therefore, I'm not disgraced because God helps him. Okay. Therefore, I've set my face like flint and I know that I will not be ashamed for he who vindicates me is near. He who will contend, who, who will contend with me. So the me in all these passages or the my, I think it's the Messiah. Mm. And so that he, God's being protected and drawing him to, to do all these things. And so I think that's what's happening here. Yeah. Let us stand up to each other. Who has a case against me? Let him draw near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me me who is he who contemns with me behold they will all wear out like a garment the moth will eat them who among you fears the lord and obeys the voice of his servants and walks in darkness and has no light let him trust in the name of the lord and rely on his god so i i think what that means is here's this servant god's going to bring him and anyone who has faith in this servant will actually figure out that he's going to be protected hmm. Okay, is it, let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Behold, all you who kindle a fire, who encircle yourselves with firebrands, walk in the light of your fire. So I think what he's saying, the first one, verse 10, I think it's talking about the righteous people trusting in God. Mm -hmm. I think starting at verse 11, we're talking about the wicked people who are kindling their own fire. Did you notice oh. it says they're walking in their, the light of your own fire? Yeah. I assume that means and not God's. Yeah, right. So I think what they're saying is here, so if you're going to rely on yourself, you guys are in trouble. Yeah. For you have uh, this you have from my hand, you will lie down in torment. Hmm. So if you don't rely on the servant yeah, who God's yeah. bringing, then you're going to rely on your own light and your own fire and you're going to yeah. be put to shame. Yeah. Okay. So that's that seems to be what chapter 50 is all about. Mm -hmm. So it starts off with saying it wasn't God's problem. He did not yeah. send a certificate of a divorce to get yeah. rid of you. He didn't fall into debt, but you guys wandered away on your own. Yeah. So then verse two says, I looked around, couldn't find anybody. By verse four, now you've got God bringing this obedient servant yeah. who will suffer humiliation, yeah. will be beaten, but then the Lord's going to help him. Yeah. So that's kind of how I see that. And then those who put their trust and in this servant are going to be delivered, and those that don't are going to be punished. Yeah. So it, it says you will lie down in torment. Yeah. That sounds pretty bad. It does. <laughs> but it is it is fascinating. This really yeah. does fit Jesus very well, you know. Yeah. Now, like the method of yeah. salvation in a way, you know, yes. which is so counterintuitive, I think, to yeah, good. you know us and our yeah. So I think that's why this this one it it, it doesn't give us a lot of hints as to who mm. it is. Yeah. But it certainly fits Messiah better than anyone else. Yeah. Because I don't see I don't see really good evidence that Isaiah was treated like this. Yeah. We do see good evidence that Jesus was treated like yeah. this. Yeah. So that's how that's I learned that one. That's really good. Okay. Now we've got a working up towards what's called the Force Servant Song. Mm -hmm. So we're starting in chapter fifty one, and it's it's interesting because you've got phrases at the very beginning that starts each unit so you've got listen attend to awake and then the the kind of the key is is in verse 12 well let me let me first show you what verse 1 says listen to me you who pursue righteousness seek the lord look to the rock which you, from which you were hewn and the quarry from where you were dug look to abraham your father and sarah who gave you birth you in pain but he said, when he was but one, I called him and I blessed him and multiplied him. So I, I think what it's exhorting Israel to say, okay, look to the past. Where'd you come from? Yeah. And he's saying you came from Abraham, 
and from Sarah. Mm-hmm. At that point, there were, you know, were just one people, uh, yeah. you know, Abraham and Sarah, two people, yeah, yeah. and he and he made the whole nation out of them. Yeah. So I think that's what he's getting at. Okay. Indeed, the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all the waste places, and her wilderness will be like Eden. So he's saying, this is how you started off. Yeah. But I, I actually, even back then, I made you from one person yeah. into a nation. Yeah. So if I can do that, can I also do? bring comfort to Zion. Yeah. So I think that's the encouragement. Then you go to verse four. It starts off, pay attention to me, uh, oh my people, and give ear to me, oh my my nation. So this seems like it's God talking. So I think he's saying, open your eyes, mm. okay? For the law will go forth from me and I will set my justice for a light to the people. My righteousness is near, my salvation has gone forth. My arms will judge the people and the coastlands will wait for me. For my arm, they will wait expectantly. When it talks about his arm, it usually talks about his power. So yeah. he's saying, these guys are waiting for my arm to be oh. brought forth to protect them. Yeah. Okay. I think at this point, God's encouraging him again. Lift up your eyes to the sky. I'm at verse six. Then look to the earth beneath for the sky will vanish with smoke. The earth will wear out like a, a garment and its inhabitants will die in a manner. But my salvation will be forever. My righteousness will not wane. So he's saying, okay, I want to bring deliverance. But I also am going to, I think when he talks about his righteousness, I think he's going to bring a remnant out. But my salvation will be forever, meaning I'm going to bring that righteousness out, even though the world is going to be punished and it's going to wear out like a garment. We're going to see that again in chapter uh, 65, I believe it is. So where he says he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth, Mm. because the first one he says it's going to get worn out. It's going to be worn out. Yeah. Okay. Then we've got, listen to me, you who know righteousness. Of people in whose heart is my law, do not fear the reproach of men or be dismayed at their revelings. For the mouth, or I'm sorry, the moth, the moth yeah. will eat them like a garment and the grub will eat them like a, a wool. But my righteousness will be forever, my salvation to all generations. So mm. he's really emphasizing, don't yeah. worry about the wicked. Yeah, They might punish you, but they're going to wear out. Yeah. And then the, the follow-up to that in both times really yeah. is salvation and righteousness yeah. last. Yeah. Those will last. Yeah. And then now the next one is in verse nine. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in verse nine, you've got awake, awake, put on the strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the days of old, the generations long ago. Was it not you who cut Rahab in pieces and who pierced the dragons? So it, this, is, this is them talking to God, it sounds like. The you has to be God. Mm. And so they're saying, wake up like what you did in the past. Now, no. when it says Rahab, uh, you cut in pieces, my guess is that's a figurative term for Egypt when he brought him mm. out. Because look what he says, who pierced the dragon. Was it not you who dried up the sea and the waters of the great deep? So I think he's looking back at creation and calls Egypt Rahab. There's other places where in Isaiah that he calls Egypt Rahab. Hmm. So I think it's just a figurative term for her. Yeah. But And then you could see it by uh, what he did to the Red Sea. Right. So, right. so I think that's the, other details, the connection. Kinda. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Verse 12. Now here's like little oracles starting out with the wake up, pay attention. And they're directed towards different people. First, they were directed, it seems like, to the nation of Israel. Look to the rock from where yeah. you've been hewn. Okay. But then it, at verse four, it sounds like they're talking to God. Yeah. Wake up and show us some of those great works. Yeah. Okay. And then verse nine seems to be wake up with strong arm of the Lord. Wake up as in the days of long ago. It was you. So now it's Israel talking to God again yeah. about what he did with Rahab. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And it, all this is building to verse 12. I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies and the son of man who is made like grass, that you have forgotten the Lord your maker who stretches out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth? Do you see what he's saying? Okay, why are you worried about human beings that can die yeah. when you should be worried about the God who made creation? Yeah. It goes all the way to 16 that you fear continually all day long because of the fury of the oppressor he makes ready to destroy. The exile will soon be set free and will not die in the dungeon, nor will his bread be lacking. For I am the Lord your God who stirs up the sea and and the waves roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. And I've put my words in your mouth. I have covered you with the shadow of my hand to to establish the heavens, to found the earth and to say to Zion, you are my people. So here's God 
encouraging them that he's going to deliver them. He's going to bring them out of dungeon again. So it's that idea of exile. But this one, I think, is the new yeah. darkness exile. Yeah. So right in the heart of these, it's not exactly, you don't have three and then three, but you do have yeah. right in the heart him talking about, here's God that's going to deliver them. Yeah. And then you've got, rouse yourself, rouse yourself, arise, O Jerusalem. So now he's talking to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. For you have drunk the Lord's hand, the cup of his anger, and the chalice of reeling you have drained to the dregs. So they've gone through punishment, right? So they I see. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So they've they've gone through this judgment by him. They're now in exile. Yeah. But he's he's now look what he says. There is none to guide her among all the sons she has born. There is none to take her by the hand among all the sons she's reared. So it seems like to me you don't look inside the nation yeah, to it's the find same it. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that introduction. Now when we get to it, it this one's kind of a far from um, 52, uh, 13, where that last servant song starts. But I think it's here because, because as you look through the rest of it, he tells Israel to wake up, it's time to get yeah. ready. And then he's gonna bring him in chapter 52, 13. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so rouse yourself. And then beginning of 52, it's wake up, clothe yourself, O Zion. And then right after he tells them to get ready and I've protected you in the past, I'm gonna do it again. Verse six says, therefore my people shall know my name. Therefore in that day, I am the one who is speaking, here I am. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings new good news, who announces peace and bring good news of happiness, who announces salvation and says to Zion, your God reigns. Now that's picking up that idea that you got earlier in chapter 40, where God's going to deliver them and God is reigning. Yeah. Okay. And now listen, you watchmen, lift up your voices. Those who shout joyfully together, they will see with their own eyes when the Lord restores Zion. So now you've got several past uh, verses highlighting that God's going to deliver them. And then verse 11 says, depart, depart, go out from here, touch nothing unclean, go out of the midst of her and purify yourself, you who carry the vessels of the Lord. So the departing sounds like, again, it's coming out from Babylon and he's saying, don't touch anything unclean. So don't bring anything from Babylon mm -hmm. with you. Yeah, You're yeah. going into the promised land and I'm going to yeah. protect you. Yeah. Does that all make sense? Yeah. Oh, and one other thing, uh, but you will not go out in haste, nor will you go out as fugitives, for the Lord will go before you and the Lord of, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. So he's gonna lead them and also and protect, protect them. them. Yeah. 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 Okay. Now, all of that was the lead up to the four servant song. Uh -huh. So does that make sense? So he, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. telling Israel to wake up, get ready, you're coming out, depart out of Babylon and get ready because I'm gonna use the Messiah again, the servant yeah. to deliver you. Yeah. So now we're at the the fourth servant song. Yeah. And this one is the most detailed of all of them. Hmm. This one, you're going to have people <laughs> that give you all kinds of, like, is it Israel? Hmm. Is it Messiah? Um, is it Isaiah? So you're going to, once again, have all kinds of possibilities. Seems like to me, this one is hands down, got to be the Messiah. Yeah. There is no doubt in my mind. Yeah. Okay. Oh, one other thing. You can divide them into three verses, and there's five sections of three verses. Okay. So I think that was an intentional breaking of it. So the first one, behold, my servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. So somehow this servant is going to be exalted. Yeah. Okay. Just as many were astonished at you, my people, um, my translation puts my people in there. And I think it's correct. I think it's when it says at you, I think it's referring to Israel. Hmm. Well, why were they amazed or startled at you or astonished at you? I think it was when they went into captivity, mm. right? Their God abandoned them as some. Right. Like, okay. Right. So just as many were astonished at you, so his appearance will be more marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of man. So just as everybody looked at you when you were in exile and saw you were a mess, he's looking at the servant and saying, look at, the servant is like that. He's a mess. Mm. He's marred more than a, a human being could be. That's why it says his appearance is marred more than a man and his form more than the sons of men. He's so beat up. He doesn't even look like a person, wow. like a human being. Yeah. And that's pretty good. When, yeah. that's, well, it's not good, but yeah. if you think about what Jesus looked like when he went right. to the cross, right. it would fit really well. Yeah. Okay, so that's the first thing. Thus he will sprinkle many nations. There's our word. There's our word. <laughs> okay. Kings will shut their mouths on account of him. And here it's, it's saying why. So, so they're not just 
uh, wondering what it is because it's uh, so here he will sprinkle many nations kings will shut their mouths on account of him so they're going to be stunned I'll, I'll give you that yeah okay what they had not been told they will see and what they had not heard they will understand so it gives you the reason why they're so surprised and it's because he's sprinkling many nations yeah. and then it says well they were never told that and right. they're seeing it and they were yeah. never heard it and now they hear it. Yeah, now they're they learning. They understand. It. Yeah. Yeah. So so he's actually saying, it seems like to me, here's the cleansing that he's coming around. He's sprinkling many nations. Well, kings are startled because they never expected this to happen because nobody told them this. So yeah. once again, the the sprinkle makes perfect sense. Yeah. These people are looking at this this person who's sprinkling nations, meaning he's cleansing them, and they're stunned because they never thought it was going to happen. They didn't even know somebody, didn't even tell them, okay? Yeah. So that's that's how the first three verses ends. Okay. Okay, so you've got the first three. Now mm -hmm. let's look at the second three, and okay. it goes into the next chapter. That's probably about the worst, another bad chapter division. Yeah, weird break. Because why, why did it break it there and then yeah, right. go into 53, yeah. okay? All right, who has believed our message? Well, what message are we talking about? What he just told them about this this yeah, yeah. this uh, Messiah or this servant, servant. who's going to sprinkle many nations, Yeah. okay? So who believed that? All right. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Once again, back the to the strength. Yeah. yeah. For he grew up like a tender shoot, like a root out of parched ground. He okay, let me just make sure you understand that. The parched ground is Israel, right? Yeah. yeah. So here's here's this dry shoot sh coming up out of that. You're going, how did that shoot dry yeah. come out of that dry ground Israel? Yeah. Now yeah. that that's actually a beautiful picture if you think about it. Here's deliverance that God's using. And it's not using the dry ground of Israel. He's mm. actually making it grow, even though the ground doesn't look like it should be growing yeah. anything. So yeah. that's, I think that's a beautiful picture. Yeah. Okay. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look on him or appearance that we should be attracted to him. So it's actually saying that there's nothing in himself. Yeah. He looks pretty common. He looks yeah. like a normal he's person. He's some big charismatic yeah. leader or something that everyone's going to be like, yeah. this is the guy. So he's not exactly what we expected. Yeah. Okay. The disciples really didn't, you know, yeah. got stunned, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He was despised and forsaken of man, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, like one from whom men hide their face. He was despised and we did not esteem him. So that's actually telling you how he was treated. I've got this. He grew up like a, a root out of parched ground, mm -hmm. nothing unusual about his appearance. And he's a man of sorrows. And in fact, they treated him terrible. Yeah. Okay. So he was despised and we did not esteem him. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's pretty good. Some people have argued that this is describing him as the new Moses. It's possible, but it's certain. I don't see much connection hmm. with how Moses is pictured here. Yeah. The only reason I they, I think that is because he brought the new Exodus. But boy, mm. from the picture, it doesn't seem like that's the connection that's being yeah. drawn. Yeah. So I question that. All right. Now, the next three. Okay. So start at verse four. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God. So he's carrying our griefs. Yeah. So there's where you're getting that substitutionary atonement. Right. Now, some scholars really have a problem with this being substitution. Mm. Man, it seems like to me when he's carrying our stuff and, right. and, and later on he's going to say he didn't deserve it, but we did. Yeah. I don't see how you can get not substitution out of this. Right. All right. Yet we ourselves esteemed him smitten, stricken of God, and afflicted. So we thought he was being punished for his own sins. Right, but he and was carrying ours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement of our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourgings we are healed. That one's, yeah. in my mind, I don't that's, see that's how That's hard you, to get around. Yeah. yeah. But I want to also point out one other thing, though. When it says, by his scourgings we are healed, my my mother, my own mother used to think that this verse confirmed that he healed our sicknesses so that based mm. upon what Jesus did on the cross, he took away our sicknesses even mm. so that we could ask God to heal us based upon his atonement. Interesting. 
the problem I have with that, look at all those context. The context is clearly, it's, uh, I mean, let's look at it. He was pierced through for our transgressions. This is a spiritual thing yeah. that he was punished for. Yeah. Uh, he was crushed for our iniquities. Same thing. Yeah. The chastising of our well-being was upon him. Okay, so he's beaten for our well-being. That's still a spiritual aspect. Yeah. And by his scourgings, we are healed. I think it's spiritual healing, yeah. not physical healing. Right. If it, if it is physical healing, do you know what that means? That means that all of us could call upon Jesus when we're sick, could call upon him and almost demand that he heal us, just like he heals us spiritually when we right. call on him yeah. for, for, you know, when we ask him to forgive our sins. Yeah, yeah. I, it seems like to me, that's not what the passage is saying. Yeah. It's all spiritual healings that he's gonna do, not physical. Yeah. Now, that's actually really important because that means we can't go to God and demand that he heal us. Yeah. God is gracious and he sometimes does, yeah, yeah. but he's not doing it because he has to. Yeah. Which if, if it was based in the atonement, he would almost have to. And right. so that's why I think theologically, this is really important. Yeah. We cannot base our healing our physical healing upon what he did on the cross. Yeah, We can do it out of God's graciousness. He is kind, he heals people, but he doesn't have to heal people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's actually really important because I've had people that have gone to healing services right, and they never got healed. Yeah, And so they get hard-hearted almost. This guy that I knew didn't get hard-hearted but I could see why he could. Yeah. After talking with him, we made sure that he realized that it wasn't yeah. it wasn't his physical healing that this passage is talking about. Well, and we certainly wouldn't want salvation to work that way. Yeah. Because sometimes a prayer for healing is a no yeah. or not yet or something like that. Yeah. And you don't want salvation to work that way. Exactly. And we don't have evidence that it works that way. No. No, in fact, later on, we're gonna have that he calls out to everyone, yeah. you know, come and get this salvation. So so yeah. the idea is that his heart is he wants us to have, you know, spiritual healing. And even in Israel, remember when Jesus came, he didn't heal everybody. Yeah, yeah. There were people that didn't get healed. Yeah. But I think it's, it's confirming that that's not what it's saying. Yeah. All right, uh, verse six. All we like sheep have gone astray, each of us turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Hmm. I, I don't see how you can't get that that's, so it's our iniquity on him. Yeah. That's that's clearly substitution. Yeah. Okay. Then we're ready for our next section. Uh -huh. All right. Verses seven through nine. He was oppressed and was afflicted. He did not open his, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before his shears, he did not open his mouth. Let me just stop and make sure you realize that. Do you see what it's saying? It's saying he's not going to try to justify himself before mm -hmm. mankind. Yeah. Remember Jesus, when the high priest asked him, you know, are, are you the, the son of God? The only time he says yes, and he doesn't even really say yes, he yeah. says, one of these days you'll see me sitting at the right hand of God. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's obvious to the high priest. Yeah, yeah. He's saying, yes, he is. Yeah. But but when he was at before Pilate and before yeah. all those that were beating him, and, and Pilate tries to give him get him a way out right. by saying, Don't you know that I could I could send you to death? He says, Well, it's not you that's doing it. It's right. it's it's for my I'm doing this for my father. Yeah. He he keeps quiet because he knows. He's not, he's not here to defend himself between, he's, yeah. these, guy, these guys are here, they're doing the job, but that's not where the real battle is happening. Yeah. The real battle is happening in heaven with God and Satan and, and God yeah. saying, my servant here is gonna die for those people so that they don't have to. Yeah. That's, that's powerful. It is, yeah. So, so here, it's making sure that you know, he didn't try to defend himself, he didn't need to, Yeah. okay? By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And for this generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living? Some people have said that the servant never really died. Mm -hmm. It seems like to me, cut off from the land of the living is pretty clear. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's yeah. not, yeah. They say, oh, it's like, like Jonah. He was at the gates of Sheol. But he was at the gates of Sheol. That means he still didn't go into it. Yeah. Right. This yeah. one is this is different terminology. Yeah. Okay. For the transgression of my people for whom the stroke was due. Once again, he's cut off for the transgression they were due. 
Yeah. His grave was assigned with the wicked and yet with a rich man in his in his death. See, that fits Jesus once again. Um, I'm assuming with this that because they thought he was wicked, they thought he was going to be buried in a in mm. in just the common place where wicked people were. Yeah. But in fact, he gets Joseph of Arimathea's yeah. grave. Right. And so because he had done no violence, he actually gets a an honorable grave grave yeah okay uh nor was there any deceit found in his mouth so i actually summarize verse nine as as he's he not guilty. guilty so yeah. that's why it doesn't doesn't fit yeah all right we got one more section okay so here's our fifth three verses yeah but the lord was pleased to crush him putting him to grief if he would render himself as a guilt offering so here's the father, the Lord, mm -hmm. was pleased to crush him, putting to grief, if he would offer himself as a grief offering. A grief offering is a, or I'm sorry, a, a guilt, guilt offering yeah. is actually amazing. It's the exact sacrifice we need. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you can go through uh, Leviticus, uh, the first seven chapters, go through and talk about different offerings or sacrifices. And one of them is a sacrifice called the, the guilt offering. Mm -hmm. It's for a person who, when they sinned, they didn't know it was a sin, but later they found out it was a sin. Yeah. And so you have to offer this sacrifice for that sin. Yeah. See, that's exactly like us. When right, we were right. non-believers, we had no idea we were sinning against the Holy God. Right. When we found that out, then we had to actually offer a sacrifice called a guilt offering. Yeah. Jesus is offering the guilt offering for us. Yeah. It's because once we found out we needed it, He's there to offer it. Yeah. Isn't that neat? That is, yeah. This, it, it wasn't until I found out what a guilt offering is that it actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's the exact sacrifice I needed because I had no idea I was yeah. sinning before I was a believer. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so here's he's going to offer that. Now, if he does, he will see his offspring and will prolong his days and his good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. So he's going to see offspring. So it doesn't say he's going to rise from the dead necessarily, yeah. right? But if he's going to have offspring, that suggests that he's going to be alive and having offspring. Yeah. So it never really says that he rises from the dead. Yeah. But it does say that God's going to give him offspring if he's willing to die for right. as a guilt offering for these people. Yeah. Okay. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be sa satisfied. So God's going to, or Jesus, well, probably both. He's going to have anguish of his soul. That's clearly Jesus. Yeah. But he will see it and be satisfied. That's probably Jesus being satisfied in what he's doing. Mm. But I think it's also God being satisfied in the sacrifice yeah, in the that's sacrifice. being made. Right. Yeah. Right. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many. Okay. Once again, by what he's doing. He's going to make many people righteous. Yeah, that one's that one's once again very yeah. clear. Yeah, right. As as he will bear their iniquity, so substitution again. Yeah. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great. He will divide booty with the strong because he poured out himself to death. Once again, clearly death, not to almost die. Yeah. He was numbered with the transgression or transgressors, yet he himself bore the sins of many and interceded for the transgressors. What a chapter. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, so you, it, it kind of goes, I, I think it's kind of neat. All these uh, three sections really actually help us. Yeah. So first starts off, the servant's going to sprinkle many nations. So the cleansing there yeah. idea. Then he, he grows up like a, a shoot out of parched ground. Everybody looks at him and can't see that he's anything special. Yeah. But he's a servant of God that he's yeah. going to. So he carries our sorrows. He's going to be pierced for our sin. We are all guilty and he took our punishment. Yeah. All this substitutionary language, I think. Yeah. He did not fight back in the, the fourth one. Uh, he was killed for us. He was not guilty. So he was uh, he was honored in his death rather yeah. than being with the guilty. Yeah. All right. And then the last one is he dies for a guilt offering. He offers himself as a guilt offering. And if he does, God will make him prosper. And yeah. he'll see these offspring that will come from that. Yeah. It's in, in my mind, it's so powerful. And yeah. is this Jesus? Jewish people will try to argue that this is the nation of Israel who mm. suffered unjustly. Okay. Even if you took that like that, their suffering did not make us righteous. So even if they did suffer unjustly, and I, I give you that, but their, their punishment did not actually do anything for us. Yeah. But Jesus has did. The son of God, when he died right. on the cross, right. he was doing it for us. Yeah. And this servant song just pictures that beautifully. Yeah. It's a good one. We made it through. We did, but like that's that that's a very um there's a lot of verses in here that we'll 
everyone would be familiar with. Yes. People who go to church twice a year yeah. will have heard a yeah, lot yeah. of these, you know. <laughs> exactly. And and it is interesting. I mean, we're here kind of really at the end of Isaiah, or getting very close to the to the end, yeah. but there's so much has led up to yeah. this yeah. to prep for this. And it is uh I think it's very convincing. Yeah. You know, that we're looking at Messiah here, you know? I think so. And and up to this point, we'd been building our case. Yeah. Actually, a lot of things are going to change now that you've got to this verse. Now he's going to offer this freely to everyone who, mm. even in this next section that we're talking about, he's going to offer this salvation to people. Well, he couldn't have done that until a fourth servant yeah. song actually happened. Yeah. So it's, it's once again, it's building it, it up. And then the last nine chapters is going to be now explaining the ramifications of what is going to happen based upon what this servant does. Hmm. So we still aren't, we're still not done with our yeah. section, but yes. what we did is we, we got up to a, almost like a climax yeah. that now he can actually then offer this, tell them what real repentance is, because some people in Israel aren't going to understand that. Yeah. So you've got a really good passage, I think, to help explain this. Yeah. And for, for the next episode, we're looking at yes. through 57. So we yes. need to read 54, 55, 56, and 57. Yep. And that'll kind of close out the second section of Isaiah. Well, that section. Or the section, uh, yeah. subsection, I guess. Subsection, I guess you'd call yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so it's like, we're, we're going to do 49 through 57. Yeah. That's where our next section. And remember, the reason we're breaking it there is we had that, there's no peace, says my God for the wicked at the yeah, end yeah, of yeah. 48. We've yeah. got another one at 57. Because there is a lot of debate as to where this next section divides. Hmm. And, and you'll see, because of the context, I think my seam... Uh, answer is actually going to explain why it's where it is and not where people think it is. Yeah. Okay. So I think I can explain that. And it seems like to me, it's real surprising that people miss that refrain uh, at the end of uh, chapter 57. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay. Well, we've got some more good stuff to read. So we'll get through 54 through 57. Yeah. And uh, I think that'll be a great one, but this was a good, this, I don't know if it can be as good as this one. Yeah, this yeah. was a really good one. This is kind of, Almost like climax of the book, yeah. probably the whole book of Isaiah. This is yeah. this well, is an exciting one to talk about. about. It. it was all building up to this. Yeah, Israel couldn't do it, and and that's why I think forty nine is really interesting. Yeah, here this servant that God wanted all the way through the Old Testament to to be a light to the nation realizes they can't do it. Yeah, and so they're going to even need help, and that's yeah. why this servant comes not only to help his servant, meaning Israel, yeah. but also the, all the nations. Yeah, so that was neat. That's very good. Yeah, it's so very we got good. Some really neat servant songs in there. Yeah, that was great. Well, let's get ready for next time. And uh, I guess we'll be back next week as we continue to study Isaiah. Yeah.